Page in the Seattle Mariners offense. Hello? Are you there? Anyone? Guess not. Colby, let's talk about whatever the hell that was. Hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, consider signing up for our Patreon. The link, as well as our social accounts, are in the description of the show wherever you're watching or listening to this. The Mariners get one hit off of the A's last night, and it didn't even leave the infield. We'll be going over these uh, offensive struggles and discuss if it's time to call up Jared Kelnick. But first, Colby, there is a beauty in actually being in wild card position rather than chasing a wild card spot because, you know, despite the Mariners going one and four over their last five, they've actually knocked like five or six numbers off of their magic number, including last night. Their magic number now falls to 10 because the Orioles lost to the Tigers again and the White Sox lost to the Guardians in a wild extra innings game. It was three to three when when they got to extras. The game ended up being 10 to seven (laughs) Guardians. Uh, It was pretty insane, but... Uh, the Mariners uh, now, you know, 10 wins or losses by the Orioles or White Sox uh, away from ending this playoff drought. Uh, but they're limping to the postseason. But again, I mean, this is just kind of the the beauty of actually being in a spot rather than chasing it, right? Yes, this is when we talked about the margin of error uh, that the Mariners had there. They're testing it. They're seeing how far they can go, but this is why it was important to build up the margin of error. Um, and this is why, you know, when we talk about uh, strength of schedule, we kind of always had this little like asterisk to it because the Mariners traditionally, or well, at least this year, they have played better against good teams than they have poor teams. I don't think that's about them playing down to the competition or anything like that. I just think it just happens to be that way but it does go to show you know as we get ready for uh the playoffs here that the mariners can beat anybody they can be beaten by anybody um and that makes them an incredibly dangerous and also frustrating team um which is why you know the the confidence level of mariner fans is kind of ebbs and flows with each game um and and you know, we see it even when we record the Mariners play well or, you know, people listen to the show when they don't play well. Yeah, people maybe just, yeah, we're not going to listen today. There's no reason to. So, yeah, this Mariners team is incredibly frustrating right now. Yes, there are explanations for some of it, but there's no good explanation to getting one hit um, by the Oakland A's uh, really ever, but particularly this Oakland A's team. Um, offense is just atrocious right now. And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we keep on waiting for certain players to turn it around. We keep on waiting for, well, they can't be this bad with the bases loaded forever. Right. And yet here we are 145 games into the year and nope, they are, this is who they are. They didn't get the home run last night. So they lose. It's pretty much what the Mariners have become. Will somebody hit that big home run for them? No, okay, they lose. I mean, it's 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 not a good way to win games. It's not a it's not a way to win games that is conducive to 
you know, making deep playoff runs if that's your your one trick. So this team won 14 in a row uh, at one point this year. Wasn't really a lot of home run. I mean, there were home runs, but like they found a way to to score runs and um, in different ways, and and that's how they won those games. And right now, it, it's hey, did did Carlos Santana or Julio hit a home run? No. Okay, I guess they lost. Mm-hmm. That's just not a good way to build your baseball team. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the game and uh, a little later on in the show. But I saw a really interesting note today. Uh, came from. Um, the uh, baseball reddit r slash baseball the the mariners of all the al wildcard uh contenders right now um the white Sox are not involved in that by the way so i don't i don't actually know what their record is uh but the mariners record against uh teams um with a uh, winning percentage below 500 is the worst of all the al wildcard contenders um they're 43 and 33 against what you would consider to be bad teams um which doesn't sound too bad on paper but you look at like a team like the blue jays who are 44 and 21 against those same kinds of teams uh the mariners meanwhile have the best record against teams with a winning percentage above 500 um 38 and 33 so like this team just literally quite literally makes no sense uh and and it's it's weird how I mean, I don't believe in a, especially in baseball, it's really hard to play down to your opponent. Um, but it does kind of feel like that's happening here. I mean, like statistically, you look at the record, you look at just how this team plays its games against bad teams compared to good teams and the way that they're able to win those games. It's like night and day. It's apples and oranges. It's like a tale of two completely different teams. Is there a way to to explain that, Colby? Is there like is there an actual way to act, to play down to your opponent? Like what what's going on here? Why does this continue to happen for this particular Mariners team? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it doesn't feel like a, an energy thing. Like they they need the juice to to play well or anything like that. It it doesn't feel like, um, you know they're they're struggles get exasperated it doesn't feel like they're worse with the bases loaded against bad teams than they are good teams it just for whatever reason it seems to be that you know the the mariners i don't do we, is it maybe just because we cut them some slack against good teams um that you know because again they're only five games over 500 against the good teams and they're 10 games over against the against the bad teams so maybe it's just us lower expectations and when we go into these big series uh, against these really good teams i don't know exactly what it is but it's it's kind of hard to explain i don't have any numbers to back it up but at least on the surface it doesn't seem like the problems with this team get exposed even more when they play you know bad teams it it just it seems to work that way and kind of the opposite really you kind of look at the disasters that happened in in uh against the braves they haven't really happened in this little five game stretch and yet they've lost four or five. So it's just kind of one of those things. I don't know what it is exactly. Um, again, there are some explanations for some of what's happening over the last five games, but they border on excuses because those are all problems that honestly we did see coming and we should have seen coming. Uh, the team that's been remarkably healthy all year, 
getting banged up towards the end here and, and relying on guys who have traditionally been banged up. Um, and, and just, you know, all these little things that, that are, you know, we've kind of talked about, we've hinted at, they're all kind of coming into play at the same time right now. And, and that's not good. Uh, again, thankfully they have the buffer. Uh, and thankfully, you know, they have a couple weeks here to get this thing figured out, but yeah, it's, it's not the way you want to go into the playoffs playing this poorly. Um, and we'll see, you know, they, they could still win the next two and, and we're not even talking about, uh, you know, getting one hit in Oakland, but sure feels like we found rock bottom for this Mariners offense. And hopefully they feel the same way because at the end of the day, they just have to hit, just hit. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear about, Oh, how good the other guy's stuff was. I don't care anymore. Just hit, find a way to score three or four runs a night. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Mm. You have to do it against a team like the A's and we'll be hopping into that game in just a moment. But first, it's time for everyone's favorite segment on the Locked On Mariners podcast. It's time to tell the fine folks here about Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. Of course, the Mariners don't know anything about that, but maybe you do. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. You know what I'm talking about. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. And, of course, with Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. So... If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, and I know the Mariners need some of that, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code Locked On to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Locked On Mariners. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. And again, the Mariners could really use some blue chew because it looks like they're up there swinging pool noodles. Uh, especially yesterday. My word. They get one hit. <laughs> they get one, I, I finally wow. made him crack. I finally made him wow. crack. I finally made him crack. So they, they get one hit last night. And it doesn't even yeah. leave the infield. And it was Carlos Santana, of all people, by the way, who gets an infield single, which honestly makes it even funnier. Um, they end up getting the one run because of a walk. And that's it from this offense. And on top of that, Luis Castillo doesn't have his best night, just absolutely blows up in, I believe, the fifth inning. Yeah, the fifth inning. Wasn't even able to finish that inning. Um, it was just a, a mind-blowingly frustrating game yesterday. Um, and I... <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know where to begin with it because, you know, it's all bad, right? Like, you know, obviously the offense needs to score more, but also your ace, your rotational ace, can't do that against the A's either, right? Like, so it was just bad all over. 
all over. Like, it's just, it's bad, 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 bad. No matter where you look at this performance from the Mariners, it all sucked. So let's just start with Castillo. I mean, why did the doors get blown off there all of a sudden? Because he was kind of cruising. I mean, like, he gave up a couple hits. I think he had, like, a walk or so, but whatever. You know, he had a one nothing lead. He got through the first four innings at, like, 53 pitches, I think. And then it just, uh, he got two outs, and then Tony Kemp hits the three-run home run, and he can't find the strike zone from that point forward, and he can't get anyone out and can't even finish the inning. What went wrong? Yeah, probably all started with that two-out walk to Nick Allen, the guy who's hitting like 210. Um, you can't you can't walk that guy, especially Oakland right now has like two hitters in their lineup that are actually producing for the that have actually produced for the last you know three weeks a month. One of them is Tony Kemp, and you can't get that guy a shot to beat you when he's one of only two or three guys in that lineup that can beat you. So you can't walk the the nine hole hitter. Um, you, you just you can't. It's it's you know a cardinal sin to walk somebody with two outs, but even more so when it's you know the nine guy, like the guy who can't hit. Um, you you got to make that guy beat you by swinging the bat. So uh, that's probably where it starts. And then he just lost the the changeup just right down the middle of the plate. Kemp. Uh, put a good swing on it, and then you know after that you kind of say, well, okay, one bad pitch, um, but you know then he follows it up. He couldn't get out of the fifth, and it's it just it's unfortunate because uh, you're right, he was cruising, and we've seen this now from Castillo last couple times out. He'll cruise, something will go wrong, and then uh, he just can't really find a way to stop the bleeding. It's it's uh, similar to what we've seen from Yusei Kikuchi in the past, where you know just looks great, dominant, all right, and then. Something doesn't go on schedule. Something comes, you know, it, it it goes off the rails slightly and he just can't adjust. And for Castillo, it's mostly because of his command um, and control. And, and typically what that means is there's something mechanical that he loses. Maybe the front shoulder is flying open. Um, but, you know, for a guy like Castillo, he's a veteran enough. He should, you know, recognize that. And, and this is where the catchers and, and, the, and the coaches can help him. Um, I have to assume there's something mechanically going on here. Um, maybe it's just, you know, his landing is a little bit off. Maybe it's his shoulders flying open early, um, but his changeup flattened out on that pitch as well. So typically speaking, that's some kind of, there's some kind of disconnect there between your upper body and your lower body when that stuff starts to happen. So hopefully somebody much better at that, like, I don't know, Pete Woodworth uh, sees that and, and knows, you know, can make the, the fix pretty easy. So yeah, it's just it's just a matter about Castillo being able to self-correct uh, when when he's, you know, when he's feeling out of sync. And if he can't do that, then it's really important that Kirk Casale and Cal Raleigh and really Kirk Casale, uh, who's worked with Castillo quite a bit, to to notice those things and and get them ironed out. And and so far, Casale catching Luis Castillo has been a, a disaster. So yeah, so, so we we got a we got a note here from one of our listeners who uh, added us on Twitter today. Uh, Bob Potter, who says uh, Luis Castillo's ERA with Casale is 506, and with Raleigh it's 137. So obviously something is happening there where they're they're just not in sync or or, or what have you. Because the the performances, I mean, is striking the difference uh, between him right. with Casale and him with Raleigh. Right, and Raleigh caught the starts against the good teams. You know, you look at Casale's a uh, couple starts here, Oakland. I think both two against Oakland and two and, against Oakland, one and against, then one against Chicago. Yeah, like, eh. 
So I, I don't know if that's a thing, but it does maybe point to the the significance of, of Cal Raleigh um, and just how good he is. And, and Raleigh's just not available right now. We'll see if he's in the lineup today. That's um, when service uh, said he he thought he would be back. So we'll see if he's if he's back today. Um, yeah, I mean, but, Mitch was supposed to be back in the lineup a day later after they pulled him, and, uh-huh. and it took a week. And well, we can we can bash Mitch Haniger later. Um, so it's one of those things where I I just think it's it's Castillo. Just you know, something goes off schedule, something doesn't quite right. He loses his release point. It's something small, I think. I don't think it's anything major. I don't think it's anything to be super concerned about. Um, I just I think there's something small that when when he loses it, he just can't seem to find it right now. And so I think that's incumbent on him and and the coaching staff really to kind of uh, you know review the video, pinpoint what it is, and then find a way that he can correct it. You know, midstream um, before he has to. Uh, you know, before significant damage is done basically all right so let's switch over to this offense um i don't like we don't need to harp on it any further last night was awful um is there something that they can do personnel wise to maybe try and send a jolt into this offense something just trying trying to do something different here is i mean the big one here of course we're seeing it on twitter a lot of pounding up of the table for for Jerry Kelnick. Jerry Kelnick's obviously on an eleven game hit streak down in Tacoma right now. He has like five or six multi hit games sprinkled in there. He's hitting home runs. He's hitting you know, he's sitting for a lot of power right now as well. On top of that, so it's it's quality contact too. It's not just little dink shots here every night that that's getting him on base. So clearly, like there there's something that. Is leading to success from there but you know he was having success in triple a before he got called up the last time and then he got called up and you know it was still the same exact jerry kelnick that we've seen at the major league level for you know most of his major league career um you know but i do look back at, at last september and in the heat of a playoff race jerry kelnick was arguably the mariners best hitter in september again you're kind of at a point now where you're desperate, but are you desperate enough to take that shot on Kelnick again to give him what would it be now his fourth shot in 2022 alone at the major league level? Like, I, they got to do something because the offense is it's impotent right now. Like, there's just nothing. Nobody's rising to the occasion. Um, so it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, you got to try something, and, and maybe it's mixing up the batting order. Maybe it's you know I. It just there's not a lot you can do because you can't acquire better players. That needed to be done in late July and August, and we've talked about that quite a bit. Um, despite many people telling us Mitch Haniger is the answer to this offensive woes, how's that working out for you? So, yes, uh, they got to try something, and if it's Kelnick, fine, I guess. Um, you know, there's also they could try Luis Torrens uh, a little bit here. They could try Kyle Lewis. Uh, neither of those guys exactly smashing the ball in, in, uh, in AAA, though. So um, we'll see. Uh, Kelnick wasn't in the lineup last night for whatever that's worth. Probably nothing, just a day off. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think, you know, there's uh, there's some merit to it, especially when you look. Taylor Trammell just kind of looks lost at the plate right now, um, which is unfortunate, but also, uh, you know, hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunity, but maybe that's because he's, you know, he's not hitting right now. So it's, it's kind of a chicken or egg thing there. 
But you kind of look at what you're getting right now from Lamb and, and Trammell um, and even Hanniger. Like, at least Jared Kelnick can catch a fly ball. Like, at least there's that. And he might run into a home run every once in a while. So I understand the the want for it. I just, I don't think that's going to be the the magic pill that that automatically fixes the, uh, the offense. So I just, you know, it, they're kind of in a tough spot. Again, they could call up, you know, maybe a veteran like Jonathan VR is a possibility. Um, um, just to try and you know get summer. Um, I guess on the good the good news it sounds like is that Gino is going to be back after ten days. Like he's going to serve as his IL stint and then he will be back DH only, which not a not ideal. Um, interestingly, he was wearing a first base glove yesterday, so we'll see we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, it says it's going to be a while before he can throw. Which I, I mean that creates the same issues though. Like if he plays first yeah. base or DH, like it's it's not it's yeah, not about it's still top like, France. Yeah, like it's 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 not about um you know the fact that he is DHing necessarily that's the problem it's the fact that someone's got to play third base that isn't Gino Suarez. Yeah, and that's a huge downgrade. Uh yeah. but yeah, I mean you just look at right now Toro and and Lamb and um and Trammell, like they're nothing. They're nothing right now. They're not helping you. So you can send down one of those guys and call up Kelnick and, and take a shot on it, I guess. I mean, again, the good news is you're not facing elite starting pitching for the rest of the year, um, and you don't need to use Kelnick every single day. Uh, but, you know, to have that that thump off the bench, to have a guy who can go in late defensively that's not Sam Haggerty, uh, you know, and, and, and play a pretty good corner spot for you, even to have a guy who's like, eh, in center field would be nice so you don't have to use Dylan Moore if, if Julio needs a day because of his back. Um, so I, I do think there's some merit to calling up Kelnick. I just don't see the Mariners doing it. Um, it just, it's, it's tough. And we also don't know how Kelnick and the, and the organization are feeling about each other right now. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I just, you're kind of in a, in a tough spot here because of the, well, because of what you didn't do, um, you know, a few months ago and, and now you're kind of, you know, reaping the, the, rewards i guess if we want to call it that of that the consequences yeah. yeah so it's just one of those things where you know hey does it suck that cal raleigh julio suarez all got hurt at roughly the same time sure but you also relied on mitch hanniger to stay healthy after you know spending four months of, of saying like well we can't count on kyle lewis for anything whatever we get from him is a, is a bonus you went into the deadline counting on kyle lewis like it, you said you weren't going to do that all season and then you did it. Yeah. Consequences. We, we, we see Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Lewis as our deadline acquisitions. No, no, no. And look, we're not going to beat a dead horse here, but like it's a, it's very, it stupid. you know, it was stupid. When you, when you see these offensive struggles, it's very easy to, to kind of point to that as, as a, you know, crucial moment where look, you know, they weren't going to fix the offense, but can't tell me that Tyler Naquin wouldn't help right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like well, it's the frustrating thing was is that we heard and, and it was pretty much backed up just by evidence mm-hmm. um, that Jerry and his crew were not interested in rentals at all. Zero interest in rentals. They didn't were never interested in Brandon Drury because of it. That's stupid. Like let's just call it what it is. We I think Jerry does a great job, um, and he deserves a lot of credit for what he's what he's built, but. That's a swing and a miss by him to not be interested in a guy. Like we are well beyond the time where, you know, 
club control should be greatly considered. We're, we're past that, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's no longer, you're no longer acquiring talent for the long run. You're acquiring talent for right now. So that means you have to give up control years to get a rental. You do it if it impacts your team enough. You don't go crazy with it, you're right? We're not advocating giving up Emerson Hancock for Brandon Drury, although eh, I've seen worse ideas. But, you know, we're talking about like, give up a guy who's four years away from the big leagues for a guy who helps you right now that has to be on the table. And so, you know, just their unwillingness to do that. It was, uh, it turned out to be, I don't want to say detrimental, but it turned out to not be the right decision. And, uh, we're kind of living through that, that consequence right now. And it's, it's unfortunate, but that is the reality. Yeah. We we still don't know if this is ultimately going to lead to their demise. Cause like it, you know, season's not over here. We don't know how the playoffs are going to play out. We don't know how, you know, guys are going to, um, or if guys are going to be able to get back on the horse, you know, further remove that, that, that they are from their injuries. And ultimately now the Mariners are in a spot where they have to count on that happening. Um, yep. you know, whether you think that's realistic or not to, to set your expectations that guys are going to figure it out. That's what the Mariners have to hold out hope for. They have to get down right. on their hands and knees and, beg and pray that right. you know Mitch Hanniger is going to figure it out Ty France is going to figure it out Julio Rodriguez is going to be okay you know with his back Ty, issue. Ty France yeah. taking a step back again last night so yeah. it's yeah it's, it's great it's great yeah. no. you know, um, and, and like I mentioned you know the the last night was going to be the toughest pitching matchup that they had uh, and facing Sears because mm-hmm. Sears has been pretty good this year but he's not that good he's not no you know give well, up one run on a walk good and they had opportunities right Sears was you know back against the ropes in the first inning and they just couldn't take advantage of it yeah the, the second inning he threw like 45 pitches or was it got, the second inning yeah, it was yeah the second you got inning. you got one run out of it and it was on a walk no you need a hit and that's why you know well the Mariners walk a lot like that's great but you know what walks get you one base mm-hmm. that's all they're ever going to get you you know what a single can get you with the bases loaded two runs you know what a walk gets you? One. Like, yeah, you take the walk if they give you the walk, but at, you know, at some point, walking is just not the answer, especially when your other master plan is home run. Yeah, Jerry's literally said, "Oh, our offense right now is kind of you know we draw a walk and we hope the next guy hits a home run." Yeah, that's what dumb teams do. You can do yeah. it, but if you don't get that home run, you lose. You need a counterattack. You need a plan B. And unfortunately, because Adam Frazier and J.P. Crawford haven't had good years, you kind of lost that, That you know, well, this guy's not going to hit home runs, but he's going to hit singles. Not as often as you wanted. And now the rest of the offense has to pick up the slack. And, and it's just, it's a vicious circle. And guys are picking each other up. Um, I mean, the number of times, runner on third base, one out, and you just have to hit a ground ball to the shortstop. And this team will pop up or they'll strike out. It's just, it's mind boggling. And, and yes, you want multiple runs in an inning. Uh, and that's, you know, ultimately how you're going to win games and how you're going to blow teams out. But this offense is so bad that when you get that opportunity to get the one, you have to get the one because yeah. they're not going to get a ton of opportunities. Well, it's really disheartening, especially when you see one of the other teams that you're in the mix with here that you're now trailing by two and a half games in the standings just scored 18 runs against the Phillies in a game which Kyle Gibson, a pretty decent pitcher, started. Um, yeah, it's like, 
I mean, that's that's scary, right? Because you know what that offense is capable of, and you it, it's starting to kind of shape up here where you might have to face them. And now, you know, the one thing that we haven't talked about here on, on the show, and we won't get too deep into it, but um, we should mention it because it got announced right after we we, uh, we stopped recording yesterday. Um, it looks like the vaccine requirement to enter Canada is going to be lifted on September 30th. So if you do go to Toronto, uh, you should have everyone. Um, you know, Robbie Ray should be able to start in that series. So that feels a little less daunting now, but it's still like not ideal because of the atmosphere that's going to take place in Toronto and that offense, that offense can do some damage. If Luis Castillo or Robbie Ray pitches the way that they have in their last couple starts, I mean, it's over for you because you're not going to be able to outscore the, the Blue Jays, right? I mean, there have been rare occasions where the, the Mariners offense has picked up the slack and been able to, you know, go toe to toe with some of the best you know teams in the world, like like the Braves. You know, that's a couple Sundays ago, uh, which they, you know, they won eight to seven. But that's a rarity for this offense right now. Um, you're going to need to, you know, hold the Blue Jays or the Rays or the Astros or the Yankees or the Guardians, whatever team that you end up playing in the postseason, you're going to have to win those games by holding them to two, three runs and then winning three to two, four to three, what have you. Like that's how the Mariners are going to, that's the blueprint for how the Mariners are. This particular Mariners team is going to win games in the postseason. Uh, but again, they got to score those runs and even scoring three runs, scoring four runs feels like a massive task. It feels like a massive hill for the, for the Mariners to climb up. And you know, what's crazy too, is like, uh, you know, they, they were actually scoring runs fairly efficiently before this road trip began. They were averaging almost five runs a game over their last, like since the end of August. Uh, but now that's just completely fallen apart. You know, and it's just it's starting to snowball now because like even when they were averaging, even in that stretch where they were averaging like almost five runs a game. You know, there were a couple games, though, where they scored like one run or they got shut out, I think. But Mm -hmm. the next day, you know, they come back and score like five or six. Right. And so we're not even seeing that. I mean, yesterday or the, the day before yesterday, you know, they exploded for nine. But then right back to just getting shut down by a bad team, by a bad pitching staff. You need to rack up consecutive wins here where you're, you know, because you got to get on a roll as an offense. You got to get in a groove. You got to you got to be able to rattle off like five, six runs for the next like four games. Right. Like do that especially and you can do that against these pitching staffs like that's not even for this offense even with the struggles that it has even with the injuries and the lack of talent on on, at the bottom of the of the lineup you can score four or five six runs against the a's against the royals so that's my challenge for the for the mariners over the next few games score four score five score six over the you know each of these next games have to have to because you got to get on a roll right you just got to start winning again uh Every day we get further and further away from the idea that uh, the Mariners can host uh, the wild card round. It just, you're two and a half back of Toronto now. Uh, you do have the tiebreaker on them, which is good. And Toronto does have a tough schedule, but Toronto is the only wild card team right now that's actually playing well. Seattle and Tampa are both struggling. Baltimore's in the tank. Um, so Toronto is just kind of starting to run away with it. And, and again, if you're Seattle, you'd rather be the six than the five but you want to be the four like that's the goal. So again, you know, the, the Mariners, their magic number is 10. So on, on that count, everything is, is actually, you know, pretty good. Um, you know, it, if the mayor, if the Orioles or Mariners win one game, 
in their next five. If either of those happens, then I guess at least the Mariners will clinch their playoff spot at home, which is something we were worried about. Um, so if you're looking for a silver lining, that's the best I can offer you uh, because last night's game was atrocious and uh, it, uh, it needs to be buried and yeah. forgotten and they 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 have to play better just pure we can sit here and we can can they do this can they do that can, just play better mm-hmm. play better period yeah. stop with the excuses oh this guy was pretty good oh this guy i don't care i don't care you should beat the oakland days you should burn beat the, the kansas city royals burn the film burn the tape move on mm-hmm. on to the next day uh there's one thing that i'm rooting for though talking about clinching wise that was brought to my attention last night Apparently on September 28th, it's Bark at the Park Night at T-Mobile Park. Brandon Gustafson of uh, 710 Seattle Sports pointed this out to me last night. Yeah, I want the Mariners to clutch in a full full stadium, Bark. full full of full of dogs, full of good boys, just losing their minds after the Mariners. Ty, I will now go down with this ship. Bark in the Park is the worst promotion the Mariners have ever done. <laughs> you're you're trying. It's it's remarkable how how much you're trying to get us canceled. I love dogs. I don't love dogs at the ballpark. There, I said it. Unless they're good boys, but they're all good boys. Not good all. Boys. There's some there's some menaces out there, but like, yeah, Brandon's dog is very cute. So uh, it's just so adorable. But I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, although to be fair, to be fair, I've never gone. Like I would never mm. bring my dog to bark in the park because no. But that does sound like to me, that does sound like a nightmare as a as a dog owner, like to yeah. actually bring your dogs to the park with all the sounds, all the sights, all the yeah, smells, just, like all the other dogs. Yeah, all, yeah, all the other dogs like, yeah, but no, maybe, maybe I just need to experience one, like buy a ticket up there, but don't bring a dog. But could you maybe. imagine they clinch and then all the dogs are just barking and barking here? Bark, no, bark, 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 bark. Come, no. On. come no. on, come I, on, I, 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 I'll say this. If the Mariners do clinch on that night. I will not think about the dogs for a single second. They'll never enter my mind, so I don't care. But um, oh, he before, said the thing. He said the thing, guys. He said I don't uh, care. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh. Okay. Well, whatever. So there you go. So I'm not a fan of bark in the park night. Something told something told me that you wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, I just whatever. Like I said, I don't. I don't go. I've never got. Those are usually on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday though, mm. and I obviously I can't. You know, I, I don't live close enough to go to those games on a regular basis. So, but yeah, I mean, we got we got to wrap it up. But yeah, I'm not a fan of Bark in the Park night. But if the Mariners clinch on Bark in the Park night, I will be a fan of it. So there you go. That's that's yeah, how right. I will okay. sign off on that. Um, for the love of God, hit. Please hit. Hit Please the hit. dang ball. We're going to be back. Hard. We're going to be back after tomorrow's game. So we'll have two games to talk about. Um, I would like a lot of runs to talk about, and I'm not talking about from the green and yellow side. I'm talking about the navy and teal side. Northwest green. God, I said it again. I said it again. Northwest green. I'm sorry. And I'm you sorry. think I'm trying to get myself canceled. I know. I know. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidey Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, the C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.